You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. We are continuing a series that we kicked off last week called Together. We're talking about pursuing purpose in Christian community, this whole idea of togetherness that we need to be together. Because there's one thing that I think we all have in common today, uh, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey or walk of life, like we all crave connection, don't we? We all crave relationships and meaningful connections and and friendships. We all have this desire to to be known and loved for who we are. And in some ways, we are more connected than ever before through technology. Uh, We have social media, right? We have Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all these different ways. We can have thousands of of friends, more than we could ever keep up with. And, And we have, you know, we're walking around with cell phones and we can text people, email people. We can FaceTime people. Uh, in some ways, we're more connected than ever before, but in some ways, we are the least connected generation of human beings to ever live on the planet. We, we are so busy, so busy that it's hard to, to find time for friendships. We're, we're transient people. People move in and out of our lives, and if we're honest, we move in and out of people's lives, and seasons change, and sometimes it's hard to develop meaningful relationships, and many of us live away from family and friends, and, and so we can kind of find ourselves going through life isolated and, and disconnected and, and not having this, this, this sense of community, but God's desire is for us to thrive in community. That's his heart for us. God wired us with a need for relationships. He, he wired us with this desire uh, to be in community. And so we flourish when we're together. We flourish in togetherness. In fact, God's plan to work in this world is through his church. Hello, we're here for a reason. Like, think about it for a moment. We, we take this for granted. God could have chosen to do his work in this world by any means possible. We, we forget about that sometimes. He's God. He had all means at his disposal. And yet, Jesus, what did he leave when he left? He didn't leave, he didn't leave a podcast. <laughs> he, he didn't leave a series of TED Talks. What did he do? He left a church, a people a spiritual family, a community. And so something happens. There's something special when we gather together in community. Here's the idea. In a culture of disconnectedness, God is calling us to embrace togetherness. In a culture that's so disjointed, in a culture that doesn't value relationships, in a culture where so many people are feeling isolated, that may be you in this room, God is actually calling us to embrace togetherness because there's something we can only become together that we cannot become on our own. Something we can only become together that we cannot become on our own. Today, I want to talk to you about an aspect of of, uh, church and spiritual community that maybe you haven't given a lot of thought of, a lot of thought to. And I want to talk to you about what happens when we worship together. I want to talk to you about what happens when we gather together in the presence of God when we lift our voices, when we, when we share in communion, when we worship together. Now, speaking of worship, I heard a story about an old church in England that had a beautiful mural in the lobby that was dedicated to all of the men who had died in the service to their country through the various wars. And one day there was this little girl who was admiring the mural in the lobby and she was studying it and she asked her mom, she said, mommy, what is this mural? What is this all about? And her mommy said, sweetie, that's dedicated to all the men who died in the service. And she said, which service, mommy? The 930 service or the 1130 service? (laughs) 
Come on, how many of you have ever been in a church service before that was so long or so boring, you thought you were going to die? You were like, come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? Like right now, get me out of here. Hopefully that was not at redemption. I'm sure that was not at this church. But you know, the point is that it's sad when church becomes something boring and, and routine and, and, and it feels like something that, that you have to do. Some of you came up in a church tradition. Some of you, that was your, your church experience growing up. It was kind of a sense of obligation. You know, we went to church to check off a box and kind of be in God's good graces. And it became kind of a weekly routine, something you did, you felt like you had to do to please God. But gathering and worship is meant to be something so much more. It's not transactional. Some people kind of have a transactional view of their relationship with God, a transactional view of church. I go to church, I sing a few songs, check. I hear a message, check. You know, I put some money in the the offering, check, whatever. Like, it's a transactional thing. No, no, gathering together in the presence of God isn't meant to be transactional. It's meant to be transformational. It's meant to change us. It's, it's some, something happens when we gather together. We're shaped, we're, we're formed, we're, we're transformed. One theologian put it this way. He said, we are what we love. Think about that for a moment. We are what we love. Isn't that true? The things that we love really define us. The people we love, the, the hobbies, the sports, the teams, the, 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 uh, the, the food that we love. Those are the things that really make us who we are. We're loving creatures by nature. And what happens in worship? In worship, when we gather together, we aim our hearts at God. We aim our love at God. God becomes the object of our love. God becomes the object of our affection. And when that happens, it changes you. When you prioritize your life in that way, it changes you. It shapes you into a certain kind of person. And when you add the element of community to worship, the effect is multiplied. If you don't believe me, let me give you an example here. Listen to what James Clear, who's the author of the best-selling book, Atomic Habits, listen to what he said. This isn't a pastor. This is a, a secular writer. This is what he says about the power of community to shape us. He said this, we pick up habits from the people around us. We soak up the qualities and practices of those around us. One of the most effective things you can do to build better habits is join a culture where the desired behavior is the normal behavior. Wow, think about that. Let me read that last line to you again. One of the most powerful, one of the most effective things you can do to build better habits is join a culture where the desired behavior is the normal behavior. Here's the idea. He's saying that proximity actually accelerates transformation. Being in proximity to people who are on the same path to you, who who share the same values, who are going after the same goal, it it accelerates transformation in your life. And so when you gather with other people who are endeavoring to follow Jesus with their whole lives, with their whole hearts, to make loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, when when you find people who share that same priority, how many of you know it's contagious? How many of you know that spiritual hunger is contagious? Have you ever gotten around somebody, you were feeling a little bit flat spiritually, you know, and, and, and they just had a love for God, a passion for God. They prayed for you, they encouraged you, and it rubbed off on you. I think that happens to us. There's times we come into worship where we're tired, had a busy week, you know, maybe stayed up late on Saturday night, whatever. We kind of come dragging in, but we begin to lift our voices, begin to lift our hands, and slowly it just begins to stir up our spiritual passion This is what happens. And when you, when you get locked in with other believers, other people, 
who are pursuing a relationship with God, let me just tell you, it, it is contagious. It's powerful. Some of you, it's one of the missing ingredients in your life. You would say, Pastor Jeremy, I've been trying to read my Bible. You know, I've been listening to worship music on my commute. I, I've been praying, but I'm not quite getting as far along as I was hoping to get. Let me ask you, who do you have in your corner? Who's surrounding you right now? Because sometimes the, the closest inputs that we have in our lives aren't people who are pursuing the same path. And so you got to add the ingredient of proximity, being in relationships, being in, in spiritual friendships with other believers. It'll accelerate your, your transformation. And that's what we see in the early church. That's what we see with the very first followers of Jesus. They, they were transformed in community as they worshiped together. And so speaking of the early church, last week we looked at Acts chapter 2, which is really the inspiration for uh, this series, which gave us a beautiful description of the very first followers of Jesus who became the early church. Now, let me just set this up for you as we go to Acts chapter 2. Um, the book of Acts is really the story of how the church began. The first four books of the New Testament are the Gospels. Each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are an account of Jesus' life and ministry. And then we get to the book of Acts, which is where Jesus ascends back into heaven and he leaves a, a, a group of disciples who end up becoming the church. And so Acts is the story of the church. Okay, so to get to Acts chapter 2, here's what has happened. Jesus, before he ascended back to the Father, God the Father. He said, hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm not leaving you by yourself. I want you to gather together. I want you to pray. I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. The Holy Spirit's going to come. When they were gathered together on the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish festival, many of you know that now as a holiday on the church calendar, when they gathered together, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the apostles' Peter, the apostle Peter gets up. He preaches this Holy Spirit-filled message. 3,000 people come to faith that day and get baptized and the church is born. And so that's what's happening. And then we get to Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. And we see this beautiful description of what, of what happened in the midst of all of this. Here's what it says. They, these early disciples, these first believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see this beautiful description of community. We see this beautiful description of togetherness. As the very first Christians embraced togetherness, the church was born. Hello, there's something powerful that happens when believers link up, when believers come together, when believers get intentional about community. It's this very aspect of togetherness that God used to birth his church. Now, I want us to focus on verse 42 again. If you guys will put that up on the screen. Let's look at this. Verse 42 Here's what it says. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is a description of worship, isn't it? Teaching, communion, prayer. These are all things that are happening right now in our worship service together. The very things that were happening as the first Christians, believers gathered together. See, what brought the early believers together was worship. This longing to, to know God, this longing to, to, to know Jesus better, this longing to be in a relationship with God. Here's the idea. The church is a worshiping community. 
The church is a worshiping community. This is just a foundational thing that we see. As these believers began to, to form a worshiping community, it, it, it shaped them. See, these believers, they, they wanted to be together because they had found something in common. You get a sense of that as you read it, right? Like all these believers finding each other, like so happy to be in community. They had an experience with Jesus and, and they recognized that they shared the most important thing. There were people from different backgrounds, and, and, and the church began to become Jew and Gentile not long after this, and, but people began to recognize that they had the most important thing in common. It's kind of like, uh, like going to a sports team, you know, when, you're, when you go to the, to, you're part of the home team, and you go to, if you're a Yankees fan, you go to Yankee Stadium. If you're a Mets fan, you go to City Field, and you walk in, and you have your colors on, or whatever team it is that you cheer for. You can picture this, right? You have your colors on, and, and, and you're with your family, and you're surrounded by people who you don't know. But what happens? A big play happens, something good happens, and what are you doing? Everybody's high-fiving each other, you're cheering, and you kind of feel at home. Are you with me? Because you're with your people. You got your colors on. You're cheering for the team, like you're all there for the same purpose. The, the, the most important thing that you have in common is more important than, than anything else that, that's, that makes you different from the people around you. You've you found your people. Well, that's kind of the idea of what happens when we gather together in church. Come on, these are, these are your people. These are my people. Like, we, we found the most important thing. Like, yeah, you're my people. I, I, go a lot of different pla- I go a lot of different places throughout the week, and you do too. You go to work, and you have different circles and family and friends. But when, I, when I'm here on Sunday, that welcome home sign means something to me because, because you are, you're my people. This is my home team right here. This is the idea. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Jimmy, that sounds really nice. But here's the reality. Let's talk about the challenge, okay? The challenge is, there's lots of challenges, but here's one challenge I want to point out today. We live in a culture that highly values individualism, right? We live in an iPhone, iPad, my way, right away, I, me culture. That's what our culture values. We live in a culture that values, that, that values individualism and teaches us to be consumers in a thousand different ways every day. We are marketed to with this message that, that the best thing we could do is, is make the world revolve around us, you know, to buy this product, have this experience, go on this amazing vacation, do all of these things that make you the center of your world. I, I get it. It's just the world that we're living in, breathing in, swimming in. I, I'm in the same place, right? We're bombarded with this message every day that it's all about what I can get. In fact, there are some places that we go strictly to consume restaurants, movie theaters, coffee shops, clothing stores. Like we live in a consumer culture. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We live in a consumer culture. And uh, let me give you this example. Amy and I, uh, last, well, gosh, September already, we celebrated our 20th anniversary. Can you believe that? We are way too young to be this old. I don't know how this happened, okay? 20 years later, married my college sweetheart. Amy deserves like a Girl Scout badge on her sash or whatever for being married to me for 20 years. I'm not being humble, I promise you, like the Redemption Congressional Medal of Honor or something. But we have achieved 20 years. <laughs> she has not killed me and collected the life insurance policy. Praise the Lord. 20 years, and so we, uh, we, we were in the Bahamas celebrating, and we went and stayed at this really nice resort, and we had a great time, but the food was crazy expensive. Come on, how many of you know what happens when you go to a resort? It's wonderful, but they have you hostage. Like, you're there, and they can charge you whatever you want. Here's a banana for $25, right? And you're stuck. Like, what do you do? You have to pay the prices. And so we're having a great time, but the food, like, killing us, right? And so... I had booked the trip on some points, and the one good thing is breakfast was included with my points, okay? And y'all know you do this too. I'm like, I'm going to show this resort. I'm going to eat all the breakfast I can eat. Oh, I'll pay the prices at lunch and dinner, but I'm eating everything up in here at breakfast time. 
You want eggs? Yeah, I want bacon. I want pancakes. I want yogurt. I want spaghetti. Whatever you got, bring it, bring it out here. I'm eating it now. I ate so much at lunchtime, like Amy's like carrying me out of the place. I mean, just stumbling out. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to make it till dinner. I won't even have to eat lunch. Now, the whole point, you know you've done this before too, right? And I'll tell you, there was so much satisfaction in it. I was like, I'm sticking it to these guys. Go ahead, charge me what you want for dinner because I'm eating breakfast all up in here every day. <laughs> I probably gained 15 pounds just from breakfast. But the whole point was the goal was to consume. I knew there was a point in here somewhere. The goal was to consume as much as possible, right? Consume. I'm a consumer. Now, there's some places you go to consume. However, there are some places you go to be shaped, to be formed. These are the places that form our identity. And these are the things that we really talk about when we're getting to know someone. The things that we talk about like school. Where did you go to school? What's your education? What's your training, right? What do you do? What's your career? Um, Your family gatherings. We're shaped by our families. Maybe you go to the gym to be shaped into a healthy person or you embrace a certain diet or lifestyle. These are the things that, that, that form us, right? It's important to know the difference between the places that you go to consume and the places that you go to be formed. All right, let me give you another example here, okay? My, I have three boys. My middle son, Michael, is a big Buffalo Bills fan. We got a picture for you here. He's decked out in his Buffalo Bills gear. He was born in Buffalo. All my kids were born somewhere different. My oldest son was born in my hometown of New Orleans. Our middle one was born, Michael, in Amy's hometown of Buffalo while we were pastoring there. And then Nicholas is our Westchester church plant baby. He was born here, church planter. He can survive anything, nuclear war, whatever. He's good. So here's the deal. Michael, a couple years ago, so so I'm a big time New Orleans Saints fan because the Lord is a New Orleans Saints fan. I mean, they are the only team in the whole NFL called the Saints. Hello, people. Give it some thought. It's not that complicated, okay, if you were looking for a sign. So I want to steer you in the path of righteousness. So I'm a Saints fan. I was, you know, discipling all three of my sons to become Saints fans. Everything was going great. A couple years ago, bought them all Saints shirts. My son Aaron is like a rabid Saints fan. He's, he's, you know, everything's going well with him. And so everything's going good according to my plan until my wife buys us some Buffalo Bills tickets harmless Buffalo Bills tickets because we were going, we go to, every year we go to New Orleans for Thanksgiving to see my family and we go to Buffalo to see my wife's family. And so Amy's like, oh, why don't I get tickets for the last game of the season while we're up in Buffalo? Sure, let's go. It'll be fun. Great. You know, it's kind of my sentimental second favorite team, you know, spent six years in Buffalo, my wife's hometown, love my family in Buffalo. Hello. So anyway, we go to the game, have a great time. And I'm just thinking, man, the boys are experiencing their first NFL game. Well, you know what's happening the whole time? Michael's locking into the place of his birth, you know? And he gets caught up in the crowd, in the colors. And of course, the bills are starting to trend up. My saints were starting to trend down if you follow the NFL. And you know what happened, right? He became a full-blown Buffalo Bills fan. I lost him, my prodigal son. He became a Bills fan. Now, here's the point. Here's the mistake I made. I did not recognize the situation I was in. I went to the Bills game as a consumer. We're going to watch an NFL game. It's going to be fun. We're going to eat some popcorn. You know, we're going to have some drinks. We're going to cheer. The kids will see an NFL game. It's just fun. It's just harmless. It's the last game of the season. The Bills don't even need to win to make it into the playoffs. They were playing the Jets, by the way. And so I was like, yeah, whatever. They didn't even need to win. Let the Jets win. Whatever. Let them win for once. They're winning now for you Jets fans. I've been praying for you for a long time. So... We, I went to consume, but you know what happened? My son was there and he got shaped into a Buffalo Bills fan. Do you see it? <laughs> that stadium, that crowd. Here's the point. 
we can end up bringing a consumer mindset to a formational place like church. You know that we can do that? We can walk in here because we're shaped as consumers. We're bombarded with this idea that you're a consumer above all else all throughout the week. And what happens is we can end up walking into this sacred space gathered together as believers, and we can bring a consumer mindset into a formational place. Sometimes we talk about church that way, if we're honest, right? Sometimes you critique the worship. Oh, worship was so good today. They sang that song that's been on my playlist. I'm so glad that I came to church today. And then some Sundays it's like, oh, it was okay. Music was a little bit loud, and you know they didn't sing that song that I like, or Pastor Jeremy was a little bit off today. Maybe he ate a little bit too much pizza last night, whatever. We tend to talk about it that way, or sometimes we talk about church, or we think about church as one more thing that we have to do in the middle of our busy weekends with all of the sports and hobbies and events and places we have to go. And if we're not careful, we can end up kind of thinking of church as simply something that we consume or something that we do in our already busy lives, and I'll make it if I can, that kind of thing. But here's the reality, church. We don't go to church just to get something. We go to church to become something. Are you with me? We don't go to church to consume. We go to church to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. This is a place to be shaped. This is a place to be formed. This is a place to be transformed. Come on, we come into the presence of God and we're shaped by it. We're shaped by it. We're we're transformed by it. The reality is church isn't just something that we do or we go to. It's who you are. Maybe it's time to stop going to church and start being the church. Lord, this is who I am. These are my people. This is my family. This isn't just something I do. This isn't just a place I go to get some inspirational music and receive a, a talk to help me live life better. And all of that is wonderful. I'm not belittling the point that sometimes we need to come in and be encouraged. Sometimes we need some worship music to lift our spirits. Sometimes we need we come in needing a word, needing to be built up. And I believe we're that kind of church. We're a life-giving church. But here's the reality. We don't just come as, as consumers. We come to become something come to be formed, to be shaped into the people of God. So here's the idea. We gather in worship to become the people of God. Now, this brings us back to our text in Acts chapter 2, this beautiful description that we read a moment ago. And I want you to think about this. The early church, they were marked and shaped by worship. When they gathered together and the Holy Spirit was poured out, and they heard Peter preach this message, and they got baptized, like something changed in them. And as you, you can feel it as you're reading this description, right? as they're gathering together, as they're worshiping and, and, and share, breaking bread, and do, doing what we did today, having communion and sharing meals and praying together. Like there's this sense that, that something had happened, that God was working. He was in, in their midst. And so the reality is worship wasn't just an activity that they were doing. It shaped who they were becoming. Remember what I said, that one theologian said, you are what you love. You are what you love. Here's the reality. The church didn't create worship. Worship created the church. As they gathered together in worship, as they came into the presence of God, worship began to shape them. The Holy Spirit began to work and move in them, and they became a movement that changed the world. Do you see it? Worship's not just an activity. It's not just one more thing that we do. Worship literally shaped these people who went on to change the world. I want you to get that in your mind, in your heart today. And so here we are, we're gathered together this morning, church, just like those early believers doing so many of the things that we read in the text. They were gathered together today because we've experienced the grace and the love and the good news of Jesus. And we want to be continually 
changed by it. Isn't that what we want? Like, I don't want it to become routine for me. I don't want it to become tradition for me. I I don't want to take the grace of God for for granted, the love of God, the message of Jesus for granted, his presence for, for granted. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about this idea. We set up this series. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. We set up the series with this idea that together we find purpose when we discover our story as part of God's redemptive story. We talked about this unfolding story of how God is working in this world. When we open the scriptures, we're invited into a story, the story of what God is doing in this world. And one of the things that we said is that God has always desired a people who would represent him in this world. That's what the Old Testament was about, the Israelites. He wanted a people, a people who would represent him, a people who would carry his presence in this broken world, a people who would embody his purposes And that's what the church is about. The church is about a group of people who would carry on the very legacy and the work and the heart and the ministry of Jesus in this world, to be his very presence in this world. And so I want you to think about this today as we're gathered together today. I know many of us, we we came in today. And if you're a regular, it felt routine. And that's not bad because you're, I, can, I honor you for being here today. It's part of, of what you do. You came, you know, you parked, you came in, you got a coffee. You kind of walked in here. And we didn't really think that, man, we're right smack in the middle of what God is doing in this world. Like God has always wanted a people for himself, a people who would carry his presence, a people who would represent him. And guys, newsflash, we get to be that people. We get to be that family. We get to embody, not because of anything we've done, but, but by his grace, we're right smack in the middle of the story that's unfolding in this, in this world. This isn't just a routine. This isn't just something we do. We didn't just come to sing three songs and, and hear a message. We came to be the people of God, gathered together around the table of God today. We share communion, worshiping with the family of God in the presence of God. We don't just do church. It's not just something we, we, we do. It, 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 we're becoming God's people. We're being shaped. We're being formed. We're being, we're being transformed. And so here's what I want you to think about for a moment. I want you to imagine the possibilities of what you could become. Come on, we have to be reminded of that. I want you to imagine the possibilities of who you could become over time as you walk with God, over, over time as you, as you prioritize being in God's house and worshiping and being shaped by it. Imagine yourself being more loving, more forgiving, more generous, being a better spouse if you're married, a better parent if you're a parent, being more filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Come on, the reason that we gather together is to experience the presence of God and be changed by it, to be transformed by it. I can't tell you how many times God has, has met me worshiping with you over the years in a movie theater, in a in a basketball gym at the Carver Center, sitting right here in this front row, worshiping with you. As I came to preach the message, I received something from being in God's presence with you, my people, my home team, my church family, because where two or three are gathered together in his name, Jesus is in our midst. And so I want you to think of worship. I hope you never think of worship the same way ever again. It's not just something we do. It's not just something we receive, but it shapes who you are. It's shaping you. It's forming you into certain kind of person into the people of God, sons and daughters 
of God. And it's working. It's working. Over time, God is working in your life. I want to leave you with just a few action steps, a few thoughts to take with this thought in mind. How do we realize this? How do we live into this? A few action steps. Number one, make worship and proximity a priority. Make worship and proximity a priority. The early believers devoted themselves. It says they devoted themselves. They were committed to be together, to gathering. They saw, they recognized the power of gathering together in worship. Come on, this isn't optional. This is oxygen. We need this to live. We need this to breathe. We can't do this. Like we can't be who God has called us to be unless we're gathered together. And so make worship in proximity. Remember the proximity part, right? Proximity accelerates transformation. Join a community that shares your values and watch how it rubs off on your life. You want to be a Want to be a, a more committed follower of Jesus? Want to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Want him to be your priority? Want, want your, li- your life to, to line up with the things of God, the word of God? Lock into a spiritual family. If you're new here, we would love to be a home for you. If we're not the right church, find a place. Put down some roots. Get locked in. Make it a priority. Here's the second thing. Come into worship. Worship with a sense of expectation. Worship with a sense of expectation and openness to be in God's presence and to be changed by it. Here's the idea. You are not just a passive recipient. You are an active participant in worship. You're an active participant in worship. So I want to encourage you, come with a sense of expectation. Some of you don't come from a church background, background or tradition where that was emphasized. And I'm, I'm not picking on other traditions. I, I, I want something for you today. I want to give you a new idea. If, if you come from a church background, it's kind of like I go, you do your thing. And that's, you know, that's great. Let me tell you, we believe something happens when we gather together. We believe the presence of God is here. We believe the Holy Spirit is here. And so I want to encourage you, come with a sense of expectation. If, you, if you've never stuck around to be prayed over, you know, we have the prayer team here on a regular basis and you just need somebody to kind of push you over the edge one day. Can I encourage you to do that sometime if you've never done that before? Maybe you never went to a church where they prayed over people. You'll be surprised how God knows how to get to you exactly what you need when you gather together with other believers who lay holy hands on you and pray the presence of God over your life. He can touch you. He can heal you. He can lift burdens. He can renew your mind. He can set you free. Like we believe something can happen when we gather together in the presence of God. And here's the last thing. Let the first day of your week, which is Sunday, let the first day of your week impact the rest of your week. I want you to think about this thought. Let the first day of the week, there's something about gathering together. There's a principle in scripture. It's all about the first, giving the first. We, we see that in the Old Testament, bringing the firstborn child and dedicating them. The tithe, bringing our first 10%. There's something about Sunday, the first day of the week. God, I'm giving you this first day because I believe the, the, the rest of my week is blessed when I give you my first and my best. Let the first day of your week impact the rest of your week. Worship isn't just something we do on Sundays, but it overflows and it impacts the other six days of the week. Come on, worship is about giving every area of your life back to God, loving him with every area of your life, your work and your family and your chores and the things that you have to do and the way you interact with people and the way you handle money and the way you make decisions. Like God, all of it is worship. Everything, I give it back to you. There's something about this priority of gathering together on Sunday and how it spills over into the rest of your week. And so your whole life is worship everything you do. We belong to God. We're the people of God by his grace, not because of anything we've done, not because we're religious, not because we're upstanding good citizens, but because of his grace. He's called us to be 
a part of what he's doing in this world. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to just take a moment to pray before we sing this final song. And can we just do what we read in scripture today where it said the, the early believers, they devoted themselves. Come on, they, they devoted themselves. Just take a moment just to bow your head before the Lord today. Man, that word is just coming so strong to me today. God, I devote myself to you. God, I devote myself to you, God. Come on, just take a moment, bow your head in this place. Let me tell you, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your need is. I don't know what season of life you're in. We all have our good things. We all have our bad things. We all have something in us that that longs for purpose, for meaning. Here's what I want to tell you today. It's got to be a sense when we gather together, God, I'm devoting myself to you. And I want to tell you, everything that you are looking for is found in the person of Jesus Christ, is found in the house of God, is found in the church of Jesus Christ. And there's a sense in me, so many times when I gather, that God, I cannot live without you. I cannot live without you. I have to know you. I have to walk with you. I want to know your presence in my life, your presence in my home, your presence in my marriage, your presence in my my family. God, I cannot go through this life without you. And Lord, today, come on, just lift your heart to him. God, we are devoting ourselves to you. We are devoting ourselves to you to be your people in this world, to be shaped by you, to be transformed by your love, by your grace, by your presence. And we thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing. God, we thank you that you have given us a home You have given us a spiritual family. God, we ask you to forgive us for the times that we've been consumers even in church. (laughs) God, forgive us for the times that we made it routine. Forgive us for the times that we took for granted what you've done for us. And Lord, we're inviting you today. God, go ahead and shape me. Come on, somebody needs to pray that. Go ahead and shape me, God. Go ahead and form me, God. Go ahead and make me into what you want to make me into. You go ahead and change whatever you have to change in me. Correct what you have to correct. Renew my mind. Cleanse my heart. Make me more like Jesus. God, I want to be your presence in this world. I want to be a follower of Jesus, to know you, to walk with you, to love you better, and to know you more. You are making us into something together, and we will never be the same. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. If you believe it, would you say amen? Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.